Hello, welcome to Lit in Love. I'm Mariah. And I'm Haley. And this is a podcast about books and the love in books. Today, it's not so much a romance, but we will always find a way. Yes. So this book is nonfiction. The title is Brain on Fire, and it's by Susanna Kahalen. Um, I found that pronunciation of her last name from a YouTube video, which was a recording of a book talk that she gave at a bookstore in 2013, and that's how <laughs> she pronounces it, so that is the right way. That's what we will use. <laughs> yeah, because you want to say Callahan, but the L and the H are switched, and it's weird. Got it, um, got it. So I'm going to read just a little bit off the back of the book because I felt like it summed it up good enough. Um, An award-winning memoir, an instant New York Times bestseller that goes far beyond its riveting medical mystery, Brain on Fire is the powerful account of one woman's struggle to recapture her identity. When 24-year-old Susanna Callahan woke up alone in a hospital room, strapped to her bed and unable to move or speak, she had no memory of how she'd gotten there. Days earlier, she had been on the threshold of a new adult life, at the beginning of her first serious relationship and a promising career at a major New York newspaper. Now she was labeled violent, psychotic, a flight risk. What happened? That is so dramatic. Yeah, so this book is very dramatic, but it's because, you know, it's a real-life dramatic experience. Yes. Um, It's interesting because at times it kind of reads like a thriller, um, just because it's it's very mysterious and it feels life or death at certain parts of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess they thought the drama was good enough from this best-selling book that they turned it into a Netflix movie. Um, and the Netflix movie is starring Chloe Grace Moretz as mm-hmm. Susanna. Jenny Slate plays her friend at the paper. Um, I, I'm pretty sure she's probably Angela from the book. Okay. And then Tyler Perry is also in it. <laughs> um, and I think he's supposed to be her boss at the paper. Um, wild. But it did really badly. Bad reviews and everything. And I watched oh. the trailer and it is very melodramatic um yeah i have i have no plans to watch the movie but i thought it made a lot of sense that they made it into a movie because this did so well and Mm -hmm. you know people love when ladies pass out i guess (laughs) get that bag susanna yeah um (laughs) that's essentially this whole story is get that bag susanna (laughs) why not So this is a story of an obviously privileged individual going through a mental health crisis where there is a happy ending. So I would recommend this book to people who don't have health anxiety um, and or have easy access to medical care. Um, Neither of those things are true for me, but I've read this before, so it wasn't that big of a deal. (laughs) So Um, you know from experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I can warn others. Um, So the trigger warnings at the top are for mental health, health crises, uh, life-threatening situations. And I am going to talk about fat phobia in the book because it's weird and it's out of place and I just felt like talking about it. Um, It's always in there for no reason. I like when I'm reading books, I'm like, why even put this in? It adds nothing to the story. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave a lot out because there's just so much medical shit in this book and I just simply do not have the brain power. Um, I am battling my own health demons and I've been on a steady stream of cough medicine. So if I sound congested, congested at any point, it is because I am. <laughs> um, all right. Take it so, at face value. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it sounds like. <laughs> Um, launching into some of the people in the book. I'm not really going to focus on the characters other than Susanna very much, but I just thought okay. we could paint a little picture of her little her little group yes. that is supporting her through this. So there's Susanna. She's 24 years old. It's 2009. She's blonde, pretty, a journalist who started at the New York Post, um, recently full-time reporter, but she actually has been there since she was a senior in high school in the internship program. So 
she's been there quite a long time. I just want to point that out because there is significant privilege going on. But um, imagine that's crazy. 24 yeah. <laughs> at the New York yeah. Post. Amazing. <laughs> I know. So then there's Angela, who is her closest friend at the paper, Jenny Slate, a talented reporter. I could be completely wrong about Jenny Slate. She could have been playing somebody else, but that's we're just going to imagine and we're not even going to Google it. We're just yeah. going to imagine that she is. Yeah, that's in my retelling. Yeah. And then her boyfriend's name is Steven. So she first met Steven when she was 18. So I guess when she was doing the internship, probably. He is seven years older than her, so that would make him 25 when they first met. All right. And they worked at the same record store in New Jersey, and they've just now started dating for four months now that she's 24. Okay. They had reunited at a party four months before this book starts and bonded over a dislike for shorts and a passion for Bob Dylan's album, Nashville Skyline. So... (laughs) Obviously, we're dealing with some wonderful pretentiousness here, but I can't say that I don't relate to that. You know what I really hate? Shorts. Uh, That, I agree with. I'm wearing shorts right now, but I hate wearing any, I just feel like they ruin every outfit. That's just my feelings. I love shorts. Shopping for them is annoying, but once you find the good pair. Yeah. That's probably where I get stuck, is I just never find shorts I like. Well, it's because... I just wear pajama shorts. Since high school, it's always like, yeah, we have to wear these short shorts. And I'm like, they're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't wear those anymore. Yeah. So then there's Dr. Najjar, who she credits as saving her life. Um, There's her mom, there's her dad, and her stepmom, Giselle. Her dad and stepmom live in a Brooklyn Heights brownstone. So it's never stated outright, but obviously her family is rich AF. Just want to point out the privilege. Like, I'm really trying to nail that home. (laughs) And then... What is it? Gone Girl vibes with her moving out of the brownstone? (laughs) Yes, and the same as Gone Girl, Tyler Perry is in the movie. (laughs) It's connected. That meme with Shane, it's connected. Yeah. It's all connected. Red string. So, and then she has a brother named James. I don't even think I'm going to talk about James, but. All right. Thanks, James. There you go. There's the little cast of characters. So now we're going into plot. Starting in the year 2009, Susanna is 24, working at the New York Post. She finds two red dots on the vein on her left arm. And she thinks that maybe she has bed bugs. Apparently that has been going around New York City at the time because New York City is disgusting and it's probably always going around New York City. Um, She couldn't find any evidence of bugs and the exterminator also could not find any evidence of bugs, but uh, she convinced him to come and exterminate anyway because she's just like so convinced. It's, it becomes kind of a mania where she's, like, turning over her whole house and she's like, where are the bugs? I know they're here. Where are these little bastards? Mm-hmm. And she's experiencing other weird behavioral signs, like um, throwing out years of her writing work, which is really not normal for her. She's being forgetful and absent-minded. She's showing up to meetings, like, completely unprepared, which, like, is normal for me, but not for her. Um, <laughs> she's becoming convinced that there's... Again, an infestation in her house. She has a sudden migraine, and she gets, like, weird stomach pains, and then she gets a numbness in her left hand, which is the same side as these weird bites. So there's physical symptoms, and then there's, like, this mania and, like, imagining things that aren't there. And there is, like, a type of psychosis that is related to believing that there are bugs there when they're not there. So that's interesting to note. Um, She gets intense, out-of-character jealousy and suspicion of her boyfriend, like, for no reason, and goes through his emails and is just, like, acting like a crazy girlfriend. All right. Yeah. And then the, the tipping point of the book where it feels like, oh, shit, like, things are really about to go down is when she gets an interview with John Walsh, who is, like, very famous in the true crime world. He is the host of America's Most Wanted. His son... Adam uh, was kidnapped, I think, in the 80s and then later found uh, murdered. And she shows up to this interview with this man completely cold. Like, she has no notes. She has no... 
she is not prepared at all. And while she's talking to him, her mind keeps wandering back to his son and the terrible thing that happened to his son, which (laughs) when I was reading that, I was like, I can't say I wouldn't be thinking the same. Exactly. Yeah. I would be stressed. Yeah. It's a pretty big thing to know about someone Yeah, is like a horrific murder that happened in their past. And really, that's the whole reason that John started America's Most Wanted. But it just... Her fixating on it adds to the mania and the the weird behavior because she is a professional. She's written a lot of big pieces at this point, mm-hmm. even though she's kind of a rookie. She shouldn't be acting this way in an interview. Yeah. Um, Going in with no notes is yeah. something that I could never do. And obviously yeah. it doesn't sound like her. So stress. Stress. And she- yeah, and she she lets him talk about what she's actually interviewing him about, which is about this uh, drug smuggling submarine ring in South America, um, which sounds interesting enough, but she just kind of lets him ramble on, and she doesn't follow what he's saying. She doesn't take notes, and she's just, like, blowing this big opportunity. Mm. And then she, like, laughs really out of place and inappropriately, and then just, like, kind of leaves and that's it. So that oh, was the point John. where I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently he just thought she was like a mega fan because she was like, I'm such a big fan. I'm such a big fan. And then she leaves. So it kind of worked in her favor because he didn't think that she was insane, but <laughs> she, she was losing it. So okay. she's not really sleeping. She's super stressed out, manic. The weird symptoms continue. She tries talking to Angela, her friend at work, uh, Jenny Slate, about how the colors of Times Square made her sick, and she was, like, about to hurl, basically, and Angela's just like, oh, you're, you're just hungover, but then all of a sudden, as she's talking to Angela, she starts hysterically crying, and, like, she doesn't feel like she has any control of her emotions or where her thoughts are going, and they're just going to really dark places. And then all of a sudden, she has a mood swing all the way up to extreme happiness and control, where she's like, all right, I'm clearing off my desk. I'm going to throw away all these coffee cups. I'm going to start writing, like, really serious pieces. And she takes notes. And the notes she shows in her book, and they're just nonsense. And they say, people are desperate. They'll do anything. And there's a little doodle of a face. (laughs) And that's it. Oh, man. So it's kind of scary. And then... Even scarier, that night is when she has her first seizure. I believe she has three throughout what she says in the book. So it turned out that she, in addition to this scary seizure, which I'll read a passage about later, she had also been experiencing complex partial seizures because of overstimulation in her temporal lobe. So that's the part of the brain that houses um, emotion and memory. So there's a big seizure and there's all these little seizures that have also been happening. So really weird brain stuff. Um, So even though she had not been drinking alcohol for several days, like not at all, she had mentioned that she would like have two glasses of wine every night, like in an average week. Mm -hmm. And her doctor, Dr. Bailey just wrote it off and he's just like, ah, you're drinking too much. You're working too hard. And he tells her mom, like, just make sure she doesn't drink and make sure she takes her meds. And so she's just totally dismissed. Like, she has these very scary symptoms, and he's just like, ah, you're, you're partying too hard, and that's oh it. Oh, my gosh. And that, I feel like, would make it even worse, because you already feel, like, crazy and out of control. Oh, so yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's like you're just disregarding everything I just told you, all my fears, and you're just saying that it's my fault and my behavior that's causing this instead of like trying to look further into it awesome yeah and so even though i mentioned several times how privileged she is that just goes to show that women are just not taken seriously in the healthcare field like it's very hard to advocate for yourself over and over again when you're just dismissed like that mm-hmm. so now <laughs> she starts having hallucinations one of them that's the most scary and like thriller like that I hope that they probably put in the movie is she becomes convinced that her dad is evil and has killed her stepmom. So this is like the height of her psychosis of like seeing things that aren't there and like just her mind is just coming up with narratives that are 
terrifying for her. And so these people that are around her that she's supposed to trust, like her dad, she's just, it's totally changing her personality. Mm-hmm. So her, they do little reflex tests on her. Her pupils are not constricting when you shine a light in them. She has, um, you know, the little reflex test where you tap the knee and your leg yeah, kicks. the little, little hammer that I always yeah. feel like I'm going to fail for no reason. <laughs> right. Easiest test to pass probably ever. Uh, And she doesn't pass it. So that's a weird red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't really have control over her tongue. She's bad at paying attention and focusing on things. She's catatonic. So the first diagnosis that she gets is schizoaffective disorder. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going down a path where it's all pointing to a serious mental illness. And this is a point that she makes like later on in in the book and like since then as she does book talks and things is that there's a divide between neuropathy and psychiatry Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want you know mental health versus physical health to have this big divide between them she Mm -hmm. thinks that that's what causes a lot of misdiagnosis and patients can go their whole lives and even die without ever being properly diagnosed Mm. yeah so the man that saved her life, Dr. Najjar, he's Ooh. one of those fun doctors that thinks outside of the box. So he has her do a clock test. So he has her draw a face of a clock. And then he's like, all right, now draw all the numbers on there. And she takes a really long time to do this. She like erases some of them and redoes them like she wants it to be perfect. She has a picture of it in the book. Picture a clock where all the numbers are on the right side and the left side is blank. And that's what All her right. clock looks like. So where the six at the bottom should be, there is a 12. Okay. So they're all just crowded on the right side. And he's like, all right, nice. And he's like kind of proud of himself because he's like, this proves that the right hemisphere of your brain is inflamed. Um, it's like blocking out that part of her vision, basically. And that's where her hallucinations are coming from, too. Okay. So this is where we get the title. This is where he says, her brain is on fire. Um, so now they know it's not a mental health issue Mm -hmm. they're shifting their sights to an autoimmune attack Um, basically her immune system attacking her brain oh yeah from inside the house yeah the call is coming from inside the house so now they take a brain biopsy which sounds terrifying and it does confirm that she has some sort of autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. and she's put on intravenous intravenous Intravenous? 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 I'm not sure. Steroids. She's put on steroids in her vein that suppress the inflammation from her immune response. So help the flames go Mm -hmm. down. She is still suffering from aphasia, which is a language impairment related to brain injury and (sighs) dysarrhythmia. Dysarrhythmia. I don't know. A motor speech impairment that I apparently have that's caused by a weakness in the muscles of the face, throat, or vocal cords. So she's still, like, very delayed um, Mm -hmm. and recovery is slow. But uh, test results come back for, like, what the heck is going on up there. And she is officially the 217th person with anti-NMDA receptor autoimmune encephalitis. So this is a condition that was only named and discovered in 2007, which is two years before she got it. And it now has many more cases thanks to the awareness growing around it. So fun fact about this particular little ditty is it's usually related to having a teratoma. So you know what a teratoma is, right? I do not. (laughs) The teratoma is the type of cyst that you can get often on your ovary that has teeth and hair inside of it. It could even grow like a skull ah! and organs. Yeah. So it's it's I'm, like f- I'm going to google that <laughs> later. I'm not going to google it now. <laughs> yeah, you can find pictures. It's pretty crazy. But um so it's usually apparently related to a teratoma and there's one point in the book where there's like a med student or someone walking by that's like yeah so usually in these cases the patient has a teratoma we have to uh remove their ovaries and he says it right in front of her like she's not a human being that can hear him and her dad gets super mad and like yells at him to go away but she doesn't have a cyst and she doesn't have any sort of like weird um uh, growth or 
Okay. They check her moles at one point um, mm-hmm. with the dermatologist, and she doesn't have anything like that going on. Okay. So now she's in recovery. She's out of the hospital, and her family starts taking care of her. Um, her brother is driving her around, and he's, like, noticing how subdued she is. Um, her mom snaps at a stranger because the stranger calls her sweet, and she's like, she's not sweet. <laughs> like, <laughs> all of her family, like, the people that know her and care about her are like, this is crazy. Like, she's just not the same person. Even though she's in recovery, we don't mm-hmm. know if we'll ever get her back. Oh, um, that's so sad. But that's yeah. good. This family seems to be good. Yeah, they're very supportive. Um, there's this thing that her dad says. It's like, what's the slope of the line? And then the answer is positive. So, like, things are always going up. Things are mm-hmm. always looking up. Ah, oh, Good. So she's taking meds six times a day, which I can barely remember to take meds one time a day. Yeah, I don't even take my vitamins every day. Uh, She's also doing mental exercises. So this is the part where I had you do homework. Um, So she has to name words that start with F and then A and then S. And she's given a minute for each one. And I think she just says them out loud. What I did was I just wrote mine in a notebook and I came up with 61 words in three minutes. What did you get? Oh, no, I did it wrong, Haley. <laughs> I wrote as many words as I could to get to a minute. Like I... Re- what? Like I recorded how long it would be to a minute. I don't get what you're saying. <laughs> so, so I wrote down all these words... And then I timed myself saying them, so it would be a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, well, that's fine. (laughs) So, we can just say that you did it. (laughs) Well, I think the point is that um, we're super smart and able to follow directions, even though neither of us did it correctly. Um, (laughs) But I also just wanted... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so she names how many in the so three she, minutes <laughs> so she names 32 words in three minutes okay um a pre this is at the point where she's like pretty far into recovery mm-hmm. a previous time a few months ago she had only named five oh five words total out of three letter categories in three minutes and she says that the average is 45 so that's what I wanted to point out with (laughs) our little demonstrations but you have quite a few words here I mean I assume that you nailed it yeah I think that I just took longer than a minute for each one (laughs) to come up with them (laughs) oh my god okay wait really quick what are your first words for each letter I want to know those Okay, so I have flap, fire, and favor for S. Nice, nice. I have, you have... fury, fucking, and fa-la-la. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and then for A, I have asinine, ass, and arse. <laughs> nice. Uh, apple, astonishing, and angry. Astonishing. All right. Um, and then for S, I have set, sex, and sexy. Nice, nice. Silly, soft, and same. I feel like these probably reflect our personalities in some way, but I don't know exactly how. I don't know how we would get there, but they well, probably do. You also had more time to think, so. <laughs> Mine are going to be more basic. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so great. That's why it was okay. taking me so long. You're like, Mariah, it's only a minute. I was wondering. <laughs> you really reverse engineered that. Um, <laughs> But so the average is 45 and um, she only gets 32. So she's making a lot of progress, but Mm -hmm. she still has a ways to go. Um, She had been receiving disability. Mm -hmm. She had been receiving disability payments to help her pay rent in her Hell's Kitchen apartment. But um, now that she can't afford it anymore or take care of herself, her dad moves her out into his place. Oh, no. She has to live in a brownstone for her. That does suck. Like, obviously, she's losing her apartment in uh, where Daredevil is supposed to be protecting her. So (laughs) that does suck. But yeah, brownstone is not that bad. What good did he do her? He can't do everything. (laughs) 
No, he can't fix the brain. He can help possibly sue the lawyer, or not the lawyer, sue the doctor who was terrible. He could do that. Right? Yeah. Oh, that doctor does get a little bit of a redemption. So I don't have this in my notes, but she did say in the book talk that that doctor, Dr. Bailey, Mm -hmm. learned to recommend patients to Dr. Najjar um, after he learned from her case. He, okay. I don't think he ever gave her, like, an official apology for dismissing her or anything, of mm-hmm. course. But <sighs> he was like, hey, if somebody has these symptoms, I need to start thinking that this is a possibility and give them over to somebody who specializes in it. All right. Well, so that's, good. that's good, but still annoying. Yeah. So she ha- she moves out. She finds a ring in an envelope that she thought she had lost when she first got admitted to the hospital. And it's like a glimmer of hope and a sign of herself returning, like she's not totally lost. Because this is where the fat phobia comes in. She just really feels down on herself and like a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Um, But finding this ring is like a total, it changes something for her. Yeah, it's a sign. Okay. So seven months after her breakdown at work, where she's crying hysterically and then suddenly everything's great. In September, she finally returns to work. All right. Um, Go New York Post. Starts building back her life. Um, She goes to universities, hospitals, psychiatric institutions to discuss her condition. She helps start a nonprofit called the Autoimmune Encephalitis Alliance to promote awareness and research. And then she wrote an article called The Month of Madness, because most of these events were contained within a month. And then she wrote this book. Nice. Which became a bestseller. So she's doing pretty great. Go Susanna. Yeah. So question. You might not know the answer, but Mm -hmm. so once they figured out what it was, then they were able to like treat it with medicine. Yeah. With steroids. Okay. Okay. Got it. I'm not sure exactly what the pill meds were, but, Mm -hmm. um, I know that that's what the steroids are for. It was for the inflammation. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then they were like, there were all these questions that kept popping up, obviously, after you get a weird diagnosis like this. So Mm -hmm. one of them was like, is this from the environment? Is it genetic? Like, can you pass this on? Mm -hmm. Was it an allergic reaction? Like, what is it? And she said, like, it's partially environmental and they don't really know what caused it. And they don't even know if she could pass it on. I hate so. That. I hate the unknowns. It's like yeah. we don't really know what causes this, but it affects your daily life. Yeah, and it's it's like I wonder how she did with COVID slash is doing with COVID because she's oh. an autoimmune disease. That's yeah. significant. Oh, Susanna, taking immune suppressors right. to survive. Yeah, hope she's doing all right. All right, I'm sure she is, but yeah, mm-hmm. the ships in this book. <laughs> Had to get creative. Unconventional. <laughs> yeah. So we have Susanna and her boyfriend, Stephen. I just said they're real people, so I ship it because it's none of my business. And yeah, that's all I, there is to yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to ship real people uh, like 95% of the time. Uh, yeah. But question, did they stay together throughout this entire thing? They, they stay together throughout the book and up to like 2012 when my copy was published so okay all right yeah so he was pretty solid and he didn't date her when she was 18 which is more than i can say for a lot of men so (laughs) go steven with a v yeah with a ph yeah Uh, not the same you're still great steven but you're not steven with a v all right as far as we know yeah and then there's another ship susanna and the american healthcare system so (laughs) It's obviously an abusive relationship. I ship them because they seem to be an okay enough match because of uh, Dr. Najjar with a halo over his head. Yes. The outcome was desired. Yeah. Yeah. She had the best possible outcome, I think. And despite some hiccups, she turned out just fine. Um, Her life is not ruined by debt forever, as far as we know. She got a big old book out of it. She started a nonprofit. She's, like, built a career off of this more or less so and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i think you should always use your experiences in your writing so i think she's killing it yeah um i just wish we didn't have a privatized healthcare system because people wouldn't die from things they don't need to die from yep yep yep, yep. it's like yeah. the relationship that is rocky but you learn many lessons from it right and it's like do we have to 
Like, can we not? Can we just do we have to go through the rocky phase? Yeah. Why are we doing this? I don't need to have everything be a learning experience. (laughs) I feel like that was a meme. I don't know if I sent it to you, but it was like, stop sending me life lessons. I just want to live, laugh, love. Yeah, I just want to have my head empty and my glass full. That's all I want. (laughs) So. Now I have to give credit to one of my current favorite podcasts, Worst Best Sellers. Nice. They have two segments that we are more or less ripping off, but changing a little bit. (laughs) Um, So they have a dramatic reading segment where it's what it sounds like they read from their books. And then they have a rock, paper, snicked segment where they choose either The Rock or uh, Wolverine to place into their story. (laughs) And they choose which would be better or um, if neither would be better. So we have instead our favorite passages and pop culture hypotheticals is what I'm calling it for now. Nice. I like it. So our first uh, fave passage that I have so conveniently highlighted in my book is her mispronounced name because I just found this funny. Callahan, the nurse braid mispronouncing my name it was a common excusable mistake (laughs) relatable i don't have my name mispronounced i'm sure you do all the time yeah yeah a lot of i mean maria is like the most common so i'm like that's fine but then when people say esparza wrong i'm like it is exactly how it is spelled (laughs) what do they say well, like, they'll, like, go Esperanza. They'll just make up um, letters that are not there. <laughs> I like, I liked that Esperanza Rising book. I'm just going to oh, go with that. That book was really fun. good. <laughs> I still but have it. I think I also do in my, like, stack of childhood books. You should just um, sharpie out the extra letters so it says Esparza. <laughs> Esparza. That, and then somebody for real called, uh, said, like, is this the Esparzo residence? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I answered the phone or if my mom did, and we just said no, because we obviously don't want to talk to the telemarketer. No. No. So, this is yep. not Esparzo. Yep. You have the wrong house. But yes. Uh, I like that she said braid. <laughs> Yeah, braid. Doesn't that just give you, like, this kind of accent, like... It's a good picture. Nasal. Yeah. So then we have her first seizure, which is very spooky. Trigger warning for seizures, obviously. As Stephen later described that nightmarish scene, I had woken him up with a strange series of low moans resonating among the sounds from the TV. At first, he thought I was grinding my teeth. But when the grinding noises became a high-pitched squeak, like sandpaper rubbed against metal, and then turned into deep, sling-blade-like grunts, he knew something was wrong. He thought maybe I was having trouble sleeping, but when he turned over to face me, I was sitting upright, my eyes wide open, dilated, but unseeing. Hey, what's wrong? No response. When he suggested I try to relax, I turned to face him, staring past him like I was possessed. My arms suddenly whipped straight out in front of me like a mummy as my eyes rolled back and my body stiffened. I was gasping for air. My body continued to stiffen as I inhaled repeatedly with no exhale. Blood and foam began to spurt out of my mouth through clenched teeth. Terrified, Stephen stifled a panicked cry, and for a second he stared frozen at my shaking body. Okay, one thing I want to note here. How does she know that he stifled a panicked cry? I don't know. Did he tell her that after? He must, he must have. That's so but scary, is, though. <laughs> it is really scary. Sorry. It is very scary. Let's give it that. Let's give it that moment. But yes. But yes. Um, well, that's what I'm assuming with a lot of the things that happened. Because obviously yeah. she was kind of like out of control for some of it. She probably like went back and be like, hey, explain to me exactly what I look like or what yeah. was happening. And then she combined it with her own experience. She interviewed them and she took notes and was not go. simply <laughs> winging not just, it. Yeah, not just there. Oh, this but is yeah. something that I notice with nonfiction books a lot, though, is that they have exact dialogue and exact like looks that people give each other and like little details like that. And it's like, how much of that is like going back and interviewing and how much of that is just filling in the blank? That is yeah. not a critique. That's just like a random thought that I have. Yeah. yeah, I think 
There is a lot. And it's always like, what do people remember? Our brains are right. weird. <laughs> right. Brains are weird. Brains are on fire. It's all over the place. Yeah. Speaking of brains are on fire, that is my next passage. So this is after the clock that she draws. Dr. Najir saw tears gather at the corners of my eyes. I sat up and threw my arms around him. For him, it was another crucial moment in my case. He could sense that I was still in there somewhere, but it was just a blip. After that outpouring, I lay back down and dozed off, exhausted by the brief display of emotion. But he knew I was there, and he would not give up on me. He motioned for my parents to follow him outside the room. Her brain is on fire, he repeated. They nodded, eyes wide. Her brain is under attack by her own body. Dun, dun, dun. (sighs) That would be so stressful as a parent, as a doctor, as a person experiencing their brain burning. Yeah. Like, as a parent, if a doctor told me that their brain is on fire, I would be like, uh, and... (laughs) what are you gonna do about it (laughs) like all right cool now you're gonna tell me something and i'm gonna be worried about it and i can't do anything about it cool okay so next one is the she's not sweet exchange Mm -hmm. go mom she's having all these interactions with strangers like they're at a nail salon they're at a wedding they're at all these places later that same week My mom took off work and suggested that we go shoe shopping in Manhattan. As I examined various flats at an Upper East Side store, Rich, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) the salesperson approached my mother. Oh, she's so nice and sweet. What a sweet girl, the saleswoman commented cheerfully. It was clear that she thought I was slow. Problematic, Mm. but okay. She's not sweet, my mom hissed, enraged on my behalf. Luckily... I missed the whole exchange. So there we have a little ableism as well. Eh, I don't know. Did we have the vocabulary we have now? I can't judge it in that same way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And the mom is like obviously thinking like, well, this is not how she is. And you shouldn't be, co- you shouldn't be complimenting her when she's right. not herself. But obviously she doesn't have that language. I completely get the mom's reaction. But Susanna is the one that wrote the word slow. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but I do get it. Like, this is your baby and she's like lost her personality and mm-hmm. her like sharpness and her wittiness. And that is like one of the things you love about her. That would be really difficult. So yeah, I just really like that interaction. That <laughs> phobia. Are you ready? Ready. I became preoccupied with my physical state. My diary entries around this time reflect a growing obsession with how much weight I had gained. My distended stomach Cellulite-covered thighs and bloated cheeks disgusted me, and I tried in vain to avoid my image in any reflective surfaces. Often, I would sit outside Starbucks and take stock of the many different types of women walking by. I'd take her thighs, or I'd trade bodies with her, or I wish I had her arms. I describe myself as a roasted pig, revolted by how my body and face seem swollen. Gross, I wrote on June 16th. I make myself sick. And then she goes on to specific pounds that she gained and lost over the course of this year. Mm-hmm. And she says the steroids also made my face moon-shaped and chipmunk-like to the point where I hardly recognized myself in the mirror. I had begun to fear that I would never lose the weight and would forever be confined to this foreign body. The problem was much more superficial but easier to grapple with than my real worries about being trapped in my broken mind. I know now that I focused on my body because I didn't want to face the cognitive issues, which were much more complex and upsetting than mere numbers on a scale. (sighs) Okay. It sucks. Then she continues on, though, and continues to talk about the the fear of fat and the Mm. roasted pig. Yeah. It definitely sucks because obviously she's dealing with a lot of stuff. And like she said, she doesn't want to focus on the actual issues. So she's like focusing on other things that are like easier to focus on or easier Mm -hmm. to be negative about without fully breaking down. But also it's difficult because I don't know if she was telling anybody these thoughts or if she was just keeping them in her diary. But like the thing that I always bring it back to whenever I don't feel great, it's like, well, my body is keeping me alive. Like, yes, her body is also destroying her, but she's still alive. It's still working on some level so it's like we gotta give it credit no matter what it looks like it's still doing the one job yeah and it's i'm not gonna say what she weighed because i don't like that she did Mm -hmm. but she is conventionally attractive conventionally 
what we picture when we picture a thin blonde woman, mm-hmm. like very thin. And it's just so it's just so superficial. I mean, she says that it's superficial, but yeah. she does not denounce the fat phobia. Yeah. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. Because, like, obviously everybody feels this way about themselves from time to time, uh, no mm-hmm. matter what you look like. But, yeah, I again, I don't know. I mean, again, with the should we have known this at that time? Should she have put this in the book being like, that wasn't great, though? <laughs> Who knows? Right, because this was published in 2012, but she had three years to reflect on it. Yeah. Um, and it may not have just been that important to her. <laughs> yeah, but it was important enough to include her weight yeah. and to put it in the book. Yeah. So. I just wanted to acknowledge that because I thought it was super weird. And I've been through phases where I've been unhealthy and I've been angry at my body mm-hmm. and I have not recognized myself. Um, but if I were to publish it in a book for women to read, I would hope that I would have a little more yeah. self-reflection. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. There's that. And then... <laughs> and that's that. And that's that. And yay, Dr. Najjar. Yes. And yay for Susanna. Yes. Um, I, now I kind of want to watch the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it sounds like a really interesting book. And there's it's always with nonfiction. I always am like, oh, that sounds really cool after I hear about it. But I'm so bad at like picking them up and reading them. So, um, this will yeah. go on a hypothetical list of mine. And see, I feel that way about fiction. Nonfiction is just easier for me to read for some reason. <laughs> Our brains complement each other. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the left hemisphere of my brain is on fire and the right hemisphere of your brain is on fire and together they make one on fire brain. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so now for our pop culture hypotheticals. <laughs> I love it. So first off, where is Spider-Man? We already know where Daredevil is. Yes. He's in her neighborhood He's- of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I want them to be together more in the MCU. I'm very excited. Spider-Man is, <laughs> I don't know, she's in, like, wealthy neighborhoods. I don't know if Spider-Man would be anywhere near her. That's fair. Like, what about post-Tony Stark Spider-Man? Maybe. 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 That's something that I was noticing in the latest movie is, like, why is he so broke? Like, he was friends with a billionaire. What's I up know, with that? But, like, I feel like he's too sweet to ask Pepper for money. <laughs> And now nobody remembers him. Sorry, No Way Home spoilers. But now nobody remembers him, so he has literally no money. Yeah. Oh, okay, wait. Who sucks. was Spider-Man in 2009? Uh, I, f- mm, I feel like Tobey Maguire, right? When did The oh, Amazing Spider-Man it had been come a few out? Years. Yeah. It came out in 2014. Okay, so, so still yeah. Tobes. So Tobes. Oh, I don't even remember what happened in Spider-Man 3. Venom? Mary Jane? Yeah. Yeah. He but was yeah, fighting other battles. Yeah, he's he's somewhere in the city, aging, and, Looking like a sociopath. <laughs> and not near the brownstone. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, where would we be in the story? Uh, this where, is this where, is not a pop culture hypothetical. Where, we already have an issue with the title. <laughs> this is where I would want to be. I would want to be at the newspaper while her friend is being like, "Oh, you're probably just hung over." I'd be like, "No, you should go to the hospital." <laughs> you're scaring me like, get out you and i tell each other things all the time and we're like oh yeah you should you should check that out we should be making action plans yeah <laughs> that's where i would yeah you be. should probably get help for that yep. yeah this is not an lol situation this is not a live laugh love not to like be down on jenny slate but like not a great friend reaction <laughs> yeah maybe a yeah. casual co-worker reaction but not a friend reaction and we don't know the full extent of Angela's help mm-hmm. because she lost her damn mind for a minute there. So yeah. she also lost a lot of memory. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So I think I would be Tyler Perry. <laughs> um, <laughs> where would <laughs> where would the Jonas Brothers be Haley, here? Haley's like, you know what I would be? The boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers. All right. How old are they in 2009 how cute are they uh, they're so young baby nick with his little curly hair 
Oh my god, that is such a bad concert poster. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm looking up. They okay. They formed in 2005, so they've been wow. going for like four years. I don't even know where they would be. What songs did they put out in 2009? Uh, June 16, 2009, released their fourth studio album, Lines, Vines, and Trying oh. Times. <laughs> oh, iconic. <laughs> so they were working on their album. Amazing. Good for them. Amazing. Maybe they had a concert in New York. That's where they are. Yeah. They're debuting. They're, they're hard at work. <sighs> Proud of them. That's the one. They had like a bunch of moody music videos from that album, like Walking in the City yeah. in the Rain. Uh Scarves, umbrellas. Loved it. Loved the vibes. Okay, so they would be walking down the street outside of the hospital with their little umbrellas and scarves singing as she is tortured inside. Yep. Oh, what is the song? I think it's called Put on a Shelf or just Shelf. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No. Shelf? Shelf. Like, uh, he's saying, I think it's Joe and he sings it. He's like, you put me on a shelf. (laughs) wow okay well would pushing daisies rules work here meaning the two love interests cannot touch um i feel like yes because she was probably in the hospital a lot i think it's probably preferred if they don't touch yeah she probably i mean she definitely was like averse to physical touch at certain points and i think it would not work between her and her other love interest, the American healthcare system, because despite how toxic it is, it needed to get in there. It needed to touch her brain. It needed to scoop out a little piece of it. Uh, Yes, I agree. (laughs) And what would Jesus do? (laughs) Um, Hopefully clear up the situation quicker. So like he would be like a, a voice of reason? Yes. Like, hey, guys. I can see straight through that skull of hers. Yep. It would, There's yes. something going on there. He would know exactly what it is immediately. And he would just yeah. be like, Dr. Bailey, it's this. I'm just going to keep Bailey, going get back. out of the way. I'm just going to keep going back to Dr. Bailey. As you should. <sighs> but yes, Jesus would do it. Yeah. I think he would simply touch her little noggin and be like, all right, you're cured. Yep. Get out of here, you crazy kid. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. You know yes. I approve of your wine drinking. <laughs> and then last pop culture hypothetical for the day. Who would we cast into Our Flag Means Death? What characters could we transfer <laughs> into Our Flag Means Death? All right. I think, number one, I think, the Blackbeard is the person with the brain on fire. Oh, okay. And I like that. And then, obviously, if we're going ship rules, then that means that Steed is going to be Stephen. Sure. Yeah. At his side. Yeah. Loyal. Yes. Lucius is uh, Dr. Najar. Solving problems. Oh, fixing okay. things. Sure. <laughs> and that's all I can Who's think of Angela? right now. Angela, um... Steed's ex-wife. She's like, all right, well, I have my own thing going on, oh, so you're yes. probably just hungover. <laughs> that or... I feel I feel like Roach is not that helpful. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> He's there and funny, but also wants to, like, cut people's fingers off and stuff, so... Sure. <laughs> uh, this makes me want to rewatch the show again. Yeah, I think I need a little time just because I'm so oversaturated with it on TikTok and everywhere else on the internet. But See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm watching it more and it makes me want to like watch it, it again. Yeah. <laughs> also, now I want to watch Gone Girl again because it's <laughs> one of my favorite movies and Tyler Perry is too strong of a connection. I've only watched it the one time at your house. Ugh. It was good. It was good. That's another, well, it's not nonfiction, but that's another book that I could read over and over again. <laughs> I, I'm not good at repeating things that much, you know? I'm always like. I'm really not I f- for most things. I'm like, I feel like I should be using my time wisely and exploring new things. And then I'm like, why do I have to use my time wisely for things I enjoy? <laughs> right. It's uh, not a job. It's a war between myself and i i'm always like i have all these lists 
and I want to check things off my lists, but it's like, am I enjoying myself? What's happening? Right. So that's important. Enjoying yourself is important. It truly is. And um, lists are important. Oh, time to Google Teratoma. Oh, yeah. Teratoma, and I'll watch the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) But I I want your reaction on the podcast. All right, fine. All right, let's Google Teratoma. Oh, Mm, I don't like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I said, I spelled it Teratuma. Okay. (laughs) That's so creepy. Fully formed tissue. Mm, no, immediately going away. All right, cool. Thanks for that. Oh, <laughs> sick. Yeah, you're welcome. Terrifying. Terrifying. We'll have nightmares. Terrifying. <laughs> All right. So now you know what a teratoma is. Yep. And there you go. So <laughs> you just typed <laughs> words on the notes. <laughs> <laughs> like mariah wrote really fast (laughs) i was i was like damn i knew i was slow but i can't can't take it slow all right okay (laughs) loaded words get out go away mina will get on top of the pc and literally turn it off she's so dumb go dumb or smart who could say she's like time to pay attention to me yep (laughs) okay all right would you like to do the outro yes that was great Thank you. Um, Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed. If you would like to get in touch with us, don't make us watch a Netflix film starring Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, don't do it, even though I might. You can find us on Instagram at Lit and Love Pod, or you can email us uh, kind suggestions and praise at Lit and Love Pod at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Bye.